What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. In the squadron, they called him bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, do you hear this Hunter Biden stuff? Did you see the Hunter Biden situation? Wow, what an entitled jerk. Man, oh man, oh man. Uh, the guy is clearly dirty. All right. The whole family is dirty, especially Hunter. Uh, everything Rudy Giuliani has alleged about those people has totally and completely checked out. Uh, from the emails to the suspicious activity reports to the actual wire transfers, money going, uh, from China to Joe Biden's house, not Hunter, Joe Biden's house. Joe Biden was the beneficiary. Uh, the Porsche purchased immediately after, uh, that fancy dinner at the Cafe Milano by the Kazakh businessmen for Hunter Biden. The whole Burisma arrangement, uh, Joe Biden himself pressuring the president of Ukraine to fire the prosecutors looking into Burisma. There's no evidence. No, shut up with that. There's, it's everywhere. You know what there was no evidence about? There was no evidence about Russia collusion. Look at what the media did with that. Um, so, uh, Hunter has been subpoenaed, as you may know. Now, a subpoena, okay, you gotta go and, uh, respond to a subpoena. I've been subpoenaed. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't the happiest day of my life, but, uh, okay, I, you know, comes from a judge. It's got the seal of a court. You gotta, you gotta like look into it. You gotta comply. You gotta lawyer up and you gotta see, okay, what, what are my rights here? What are my duties? What are my obligations? What's negotiable? What's non-negotiable? I went through all that. And a couple of weeks later, I'm sitting there with my right hand in the air saying, I swear to tell the truth. And a deposition is very, very unique. It's a unique proceeding. It's not like you're sitting in front of a jury and it's a courtroom and all that stuff. No, it's not like that. You're actually usually sitting in, well, it could be a conference room, could be a, a lawyer's office, it could be the basement of the Capitol, and they ask you a bunch of questions, and you may or may not have a lawyer present, that's up to you, but the questions they ask, uh, you have to answer. I think there's only, and you, if you are, it depends, sometimes you're not even allowed to invoke the Fifth Amendment, <laughs> curiously, and they get to ask you questions for like, Hours upon hours upon hours. One side gets to ask all the questions they want. And it doesn't work that way at a public congressional hearing, which is not a legal proceeding. It is a, yeah, I don't know what the hell it is. It's a show, right? And five minutes for one side, five minutes for the next, five minutes for the one side, right? And you never learn anything. You know, there are a couple of interesting viral moments that make the news, but you never really learn anything. Well, Hunter was subpoenaed to be deposed and he, refused to comply and maybe you remember he showed up at the Capitol a couple of weeks ago with about a million reporters a great big uh, show and he said I'm ready to speak but he wouldn't speak he, he's not really prepared to answer basic questions because the basic questions will if he's honest about it well I mean these these questions are they would be very hard for him to answer there's the only plausible explanation for a lot of the stuff is criminality is bribery is a is a is a scheme to get money to the file. That's what it looks like to me. Who knows? Maybe there's a maybe there's a uh, explanation for all of this stuff. Um, but what he did today, you may have seen. He went to the. He just barged in on a House Oversight Committee. Just walked in the front row, 
And uh, people are saying, oh, this is a circus, which it was. Oh, this was a publicity stunt, which it was. This is a trap. This is a trick. It was all those things. Um, But one of the reasons why I don't want to make too big a deal out of it is because Hunter Biden was loving it. He walks in there. The media goes bananas. 10,000 reporters are following his every move. And all of his dreams come true. All of Hunter Biden's dreams have come true. And I know what Hunter Biden's dreams are because, well, <laughs> uh, I've actually done what very few people have ever done, even maybe Joe Biden himself. I actually read his book. I read Joe Biden's book. I read Hunter Biden's book. Uh, you know, they have ghostwriters do this stuff. They don't know what's in there. You know, they tell the ghostwriter a bunch of stuff and then it's in the book. And wow, wow. So this is interesting. In Joe Biden's second autobiography i could see one autobiography but two he's got two autobiographies and one he says i'm hanging around with my son hunter and he's about 10 years old and i said son what do you want to be when you grow up and he said i want to be important and joe says to him back i knew what he meant now what a dysfunctional situation that is in the father-son arena right i want to be important i want to be a big shot I mean, I think any father, like any, any moral person in the world would want to say, look, son, it's not like that. You know, the, you're putting the cart before the horse. You, 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 you want to be important. You're not, you got to talk, you got to think more about what you want to contribute, what you want to offer, what you, what skill you can develop. Get really good at something and then maybe you'll become important, but you want to be important for important sake. And that's wrong. He doesn't say that. He just says, I knew exactly what he meant. Hunter wanted to be important. He just wanted to be a big shot. Wanted to be like his dad, uh, press conferences, surrounded by microphones. You know, Hunter didn't say, I want to be a United States senator. He didn't want to say, I want to be a governor of Delaware. I, I want to be an actor. He just wants to be important. He wants the, the, the silly stuff, what some people now think is really, really valuable, the fame, the fame without the work. And our society has shown that, right? You don't need to, you don't need to work. You don't need to develop talent. I mean, the Kardashians, it's almost a, you know, hackneyed to kind of complain about them, but they really kind of set this country back about a hundred years. You don't have to sing. You don't have to dance. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to get a PhD. You don't have to get a law degree. You don't have to, I don't know, get an innocent person out of jail. You don't have to invent something. You don't have to become an astronaut. You can just have a big ass and sit on it and gossip with your sisters, and you're a billionaire. Now, that has so inspired so many people. It's one of the many reasons why our country is in a free fall. The world, the planet, is in a total moral free fall. We are so lost, right? So backwards. And that here it is. This is one of the most important, let's say for a moment, right, the, the vice president's family, right? Isn't that at one point that would have been, well, you know, you hold it in some esteem, as craven, as corrupt, as greedy as the Kardashians. They want the power. They want the money. And you can see it in Joe. You can see it. I'm developing something about him. I'm not ready to reveal it right now, but it has something something to do with the things that God actually says out loud that he detests. There are things that he does not like. I think there might be seven of them. And Joe Biden, in my study so far, exemplifies each of those things. That he ate so much. All right, so he walks into the room, 
And he's like, let me testify. But it doesn't work that way. Of course it doesn't, right? Nobody, but, but he's feeling important. All right, do we have this whole thing, this whole when people are yelling and screaming, members of Congress, including Nancy Mace, who, uh, she's a never-Trumper. And after I get over the never-Trump stuff, I like her. I like her, except for her position on Trump. But the other stuff, she's pretty good. She's a Republican for South Carolina. Go ahead with that, please. So my first question is, who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... M- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman... If the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law on, come on. and the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Well, you know, throw him to jail. You can't throw, you can't throw Hunter Biden in jail, can you? Well, they did it to Peter Navarro for defying a congressional subpoena. They put him in the same jail cell that John Hinckley, who shot President Reagan, they put him in the same cell. They put him in... They actually put him in leg irons. I've heard of handcuffs... But leg irons, they handcuffed his ankles, foot cuffed him. <laughs> I just, Peter Navarro for defiant. They actually, they're still trying. The, 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bannon. Steve Bannon may go to jail for a couple of months for defying a congressional subpoena. Now, what's her name there? Mace lost it. What did she say? Did she say, I don't like it when a woman starts talking about a guy's B-A-L-L-S. He doesn't have the B-A-L-L-S. There's something about that I don't like. Right. There's something a little bit crude about that. And she can be crude. I've seen her actually at a prayer breakfast talking about how much sex she was having with her boyfriend. Right. She can be very brassy. I don't like brassy. I like uh, a little bit more demure. I like uh, they can be they can be vocal, but not at a congressional hearing like that. B.A.L.L.S. She was good at first. Look, they were surprised by this guy. They were surprised. He walked in. Now, later, let's see, what else do we have? Do we have anything else from this? That's pretty much it. Oh, here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, they run out of the room before Marjorie Taylor Greene gets to ask him questions. Watch. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah, he left. He left. You can't see it, but, you know, as soon as she started speaking, Hunter's in there with Abby Lowell and this guy, Kevin Morris, who's dressed like uh, a pimp, a pimp. He's wearing that maroon, a maroon suit. Maroon? I don't think anybody should be wearing uh, uh, maroon suits, right? There are certain things you can't pull off, all right? And that looks very pimpish to me. He looked very thuggish. Kevin Morris is a uh, podhead from California, and he is some sort of music executive or whatever. He's a rich kid, and he is given – he's 57 years old. He's writing checks to Hunter Biden. I think they total $4.4 million. He's also purchased some of Hunter Biden's artwork, another com- total and complete scam. Anyway, 
Hunter loves it. He's going down the hallway. He's surrounded by cameras. They're yelling and screaming about him in Congress. Here's a guy who never really worked. He spent most of his 20s and 30s and 40s um, stoned, you know, drugged out, and the worst kind of addiction. And when he wasn't doing that, he was, well, engaged in pretty depraved acts like hooking up with his brother's wife. Might have been while they, his brother was still alive, by the way. People, yeah. And then when he got bored of that, he started hooking up with his brother's wife's sister, it's been reported. Hmm? Uh, what else did he do? Um, he was frequently nude around Haley's children, which made Haley very, very upset. I, this is all there in the, in the laptop. Um, it's not a, I just, I mean, what, what, what professional accomplishments, you know, what I'll tell you is he went to Yale law school. I went to Yale law school, Yale law school. He's, he actually said it out loud uh, when he showed up at Congress and to, to defy the subpoena. Well, he doesn't tell you this, that Bill Clinton pulled strings to get him into Yale law school. <gasps> yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, uh, ooh, that reminds me. <laughs> I, I just, uh, look, if you got strings, pull them. But don't go around bragging that went to, you went to Yale when the President of the United States pulled strings to get you in. Oh, by the way, he couldn't get him in. <laughs> he couldn't get him in. The plan was go to another school, apply to transfer in a year, and then you'll get in. All right? All right, you can go to Yale just like me. The fake news loves Ivy Leaguers. You'll see. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, this is good. That arrogant, uh, ooh, what an arrogant SOB. Again, he's loving it, but here's a moment that he's not loving because he gets put on the spot by Hillary Vaughn, who's a reporter over at Fox. I like her. I also like her brother, uh, Peter. No, I'm sorry. They're married. Peter Ducey, the White House guy. Uh, he's excellent. And, uh, anyway, so he leaves the room and after making a big commotion there, walking out and mobbed by reporters, including Hillary Vaughn, listen to her asking questions. You know, it came out a while back that Hunter Biden dozens of times was putting his dad on speakerphone as he was having meetings all over the world with crazy, you know, Ukrainian oligarchs and Kazakh businessmen and who knows what. And he said, Oh, gentlemen, here's my dad. Hello. And he would say hello to everybody at the table. Joe Biden would as vice president of the United States. Totally weird, right? There's no explain. Well, anyway, she asked about it. Go ahead, please. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Did he answer the phone? Yes. 
Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? They had nothing to say after that. Play, you should play it a little longer so you could hear the, um, you know, the that he, that he doesn't have any anything to say to that. He keeps his mouth shut. There's no fire. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, there are commentators right now saying, like, this is why he can't be deposed, because he's going to get himself into a deeper hole. He's like an emotional guy. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. He thinks he's better than everybody else. After all, he's a Biden. He's a Biden. I've got a I've got text message between him and Devin Archer. He says, uh, we're Bidens, you're a Biden, and we are powerful people, and people are always trying to take away power from powerful people, but we are better than they are. It's amazing. This guy grew up a prince. He grew up a prince. What's that silly song? It's not a silly song. What is that, uh, Clearance, Clearwater Revival, something like that? Senator's Son? I Ain't No Senator's Son? The lyrics in that one are very interesting. It's like um starts talking about uh, Fortunate Son, talking about how the rich have it easy and they don't have to pay their bills and uh, they don't have responsibilities. They can shirk their responsibilities. You know, if you're, if you're the child of a Senator, you know, and he grew up, I guess his dad was a Senator elect by the time he was two, by the time he was two. And that has put him in a very unfortunate, tremendous damage to him. Didn't have to be that way. There are plenty of people who look at public service as public service. I shouldn't say plenty. There are some. <laughs> there are some, but most people are in it to see how they can benefit, how they can benefit financially, status-wise, ego-wise. I have a feeling that's what we're dealing with with uh, our OEM commissioner. As as we laid arrest this week, Joe Esposito, one of the great law enforcement guys in New York City history, and he was the chief of the New York City Police Department for many, many years. He was the head of the Office of Emergency Management. He was so eminently qualified for that job. And now we have Zach Iskell. Zach Iskell. Uh, what do you, what, what do we know about this guy? Uh, he's a pretty boy and he's a rich kid. He ran for controller. He had no political base, but he had money. He definitely had money. And he's one of these guys who just kind of is a bit of a layabout. And after he did his stint in the Marine Corps, which is nice, but you know what? The days of being awe-inspired about somebody's military service, I think that's kind of over. I think that's over. You know, I, I, I do because so many people have hid behind that. They hide behind heroes. They hide behind the men and women of the FBI so they can perform corrupt acts. And they find somebody like a veteran. You can't, you can't, you can't criticize this person. After all, he's a veteran. You can't criticize John McCain after what he went through. Oh, you're right about that. I guess I got to keep my mouth shut. Meanwhile, John McCain basically sells us out and tries to trip up Trump every step of the way, right? Well, too many people were just kind of, oh, wow, veteran. You can't say this. You can't say that. Well, screw it. All right, I don't care about what you did 20 years ago, five years ago. What did you do today? Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, uh, President Trump going around people saying that he loves Greg Kelly. His content is fantastic on the radio, video, everywhere you see Greg Kelly. Donald Trump, President Trump himself, is a fan, as he recently told the New York Times. The New York Times. 
New York Times actually wrote it up. Uh, you know, sometimes the fake news gets it right. Uh, and it's not just because they mentioned me, but that is a major part of it. Uh, a couple of months ago, I saw they did a story about uh, a plane crash somewhere in Germany that happened during World War II. And they tracked down the uh, the remains and they did a DNA test. The government did. But they stayed with it. They stayed with it, and they tried to figure out who these remains belonged to, and they finally tracked them down. Uh, you know, this guy, I think he was from Illinois, and they went back and they gave him to his family, and there was a big ceremony. And, you know, the Pentagon, the deep state, I'm not a fan, but every now and then, every now and then it can do something kind of classy. So the New York Times had a beautiful story about that. They also had a beautiful story about, and beautiful, it's kind of sad too. Do you remember, this didn't happen that long ago, and no one's talking about it. No one even knows about it. But you maybe remember, you guys listen to the radio and you're very well informed. But do you remember the mafia guy who was killed at the McDonald's? Remember, they shot him at the McDonald's in the Bronx at the drive through And it was like the second time in a month that somebody tried to kill him. And it turned out that it was his own son who hired hitmen to kill his dad. And it was a big mafia thing, apparently. Anyway... Um, the man was arrested, the son, because the father died, and they brought him to court, and they, you know, he's found guilty. And it was like 20 years ago, this would have been the biggest story in the world. And we don't, for whatever reason, maybe it's Taylor Swift, maybe it's Donald Trump, or I don't know, but local stories just don't make it that big anymore. And hardly anyone knew anything about this. And I was kind of obsessed with it. I was almost obsessed with why isn't this a bigger deal? Why aren't more people talking about it? And I couldn't put my finger on it. And one day this guy in the New York Times wrote a beautiful story about the whole thing. And there was a picture of the guy's family. You know, the man who's now in jail for hiring hitmen to kill his father. And they were the cutest little kids. I think there were three little kids. I still think about that picture every now and then. They were wearing little neckties and the the oldest was about eight. The little brother was maybe five. And then there was a little baby, maybe one, one and a half. And they were the sweetest little kids in the world. And I think about them and how they're doing. And the dad's in jail and what he was arrested for and charged with and sentenced, trying to kill his own father, arranging to have his own father killed. It's It's unthinkable. It's just, but you know, it's kind of crazy thievery, evil, it's part of life. It's always going to be there. It's not like it's not supposed to be there. You know, we build prisons and they have, you can go to a budget meeting and you can look it up online and they talk about how long these prisons are, you know, forecasted to last based on the money they're spending and the, the foundation. This, this prison will, 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 uh, exist for anywhere from 60 to 140 years. The average age of a prisoner is like 21. So like, you know, there are going to be murderers. There are going to be killers. There are going to be rapists. There are going to be horrible. Their horrible crime will always be with us. And we know that. And beautiful babies will grow up to be criminals. It's just, uh, it's part of it. It's just part of the system. The devil is real. But there's redemption available for every single person, including that guy in prison who hired those those hitmen to kill his dad, and including the hitmen, they can turn to God and everything will be forgiven. Now, you still have to pay your penalty here on earth. 
but there's a way out for everybody, anybody. Um, anybody, do you remember that story about the McDonald's and the hitman? Let me see if I can get some. Anyway, it was, it moved me. It moved me very, very much. Obviously. Let me go to Andrew for a moment. Andrew. Hey, what's up, Greg? Yeah. Um, it was great and not great, but it got better. But I wanted to quick give you a compliment because my sister was complaining that she works in a car dealership and that she had to go in on Sunday when it snowed on her day off to move the cars because the plow guys aren't on the insurance. And I said, well, don't complain. Greg Kelly, at his job, he had to land a fighter jet on an aircraft carrier at night in the rain. Ah, that's so. cool. That's cool. Thanks for the. Hey, here's the thing. It was the Zatola family. A New York man will spend the rest of his life in prison after hiring a hitman to kill his father, a reputed mafia associate gunned down at a McDonald's drive through in what prosecutors called a scheme to control a real estate empire built from mob money. Anthony Zatola Sr., Fox 5 here, blotted away tears at sentencing Friday in U.S. District Court in Brooklyn. Audible sobs filled the courtroom as his sister and brother addressed him, the culmination of a wrenching family drama that the judge said was difficult to fathom. Welling with emotion, his sister, Deborah Ann Zatola, spoke lovingly of her brother, even as she talked of the pain of losing their father. I won't dig you a deeper grave. I will continue praying for you, but please pray for me, she said, lamenting that Friday would be the last time she would be in the same room with both brothers. A jury last fall found Zatola and an accomplice, Hyman Ross, guilty in a murder-for-hire plot that prosecutors said went wrong several times before it finally led to the death of the victim, Sylvester Zatola, 71. Prosecutors said Anthony Zatola Sr. also tried unsuccessfully to have his brother Salvatore killed. In July 2018, a gunman shot Salvatore Zatola in the head, chest, and hand outside his home, but he survived. In court, Salvatore Zatola fought back tears. Why, he asked his brother from across the room. Dad gave you everything. You had everything in life. The judge also tried to fathom the motive, concluding that it was all about greed and financial gain. There was a lot to there was a lot to go around. The defendant wanted more than that, said U.S. District Judge Hector Gonzalez, adding that Zatola showed little remorse for the unimaginable horror he caused his family. Zatola spoke briefly before the judge handed down his sentence, telling the court how he missed his wife and three children. Authorities said Anthony Zatola managed properties for his father's real estate business, which consisted of multifamily rental properties valued in the tens of millions of dollars. Prosecutors alleged the business was built on illegal gambling proceeds connected to the mob. Uh, in addition to the mandatory life sentences, Zatola and Ross were each sentenced to an additional 112 years, which represents the combined ages of his father, 71, and brother, 41, when they were shot. Yikes. Man, oh, man, oh, man. And then these beautiful children who were, you know, just, oh, my gosh. Oh, anyway, Andrew, that's I wanted to fill in a couple of blanks there. All right. What else were you talking about? The the McDonald's hit, but I wanted to ask you with Top Gun, the first scene where he ejects, but he was going whatever, Mach 11, but he would fall apart, right? Your body is going the speed of the plane when you eject. So at that speed, his body would get ripped apart, correct? What? Oh, if you you eject when you're going uh, the supersonic? Right, when he ejects in the beginning. Yeah, when you body. eject, when you eject, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you eject going, uh, like ultra fast like that, you would probably, uh, die. Uh, but you can eject from a supersonic, uh, plane and, and survive. 
But that guy, I think, was going like, you know, uh, four times the speed of sound. It was crazy and unrealistic. But, hey, it's a movie. And there was a lot of unrealistic stuff in the Top Gun Maverick movie. But I give him credit. That's the last time I actually went to the movies, that and Oppenheimer. And it was a lot of fun to finally go to the movies after all that time in COVID. But I'm probably not going back. Did you hear about the rats at that movie theater uptown? Yeah, I don't know. It's just not what it used to be. And no one's in there, and it's not as fun anymore. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, Barbara, hello. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. I'm just, I have to thank you for your service. I, you know, when you talked the other day about all the landings that you made, and, you know, my father was a, a flight trainer in World War II, and I know how dangerous the landings and the takeoffs can be from hearing him talk about it, and I can't imagine doing it under the circumstances you did. Thank you so much for all of your service and your courage. Ah, uh, anytime. Thank you, Barbara, so much. What else? Okay. All right. Well, hearing about the chaos that's going on in Congress with Hunter Biden going in, making a show of himself, creating chaos out of total disrespect for our Congress and for the rule of law and for for good order, which we know that Cloward and Piven in this country were heavy, heavy, strong pushers of chaos. So chaos, whether it's on the floor of Congress chaos in our schools in New York City, where students learn in the morning that they're not going to school, and who knows when they'll go back again. And now they're going to learn remotely, as if COVID didn't do enough damage to these students' education. Now they will be in the chaos of trying to piece together a new kind of education for themselves so that they can learn, so these illegals can take over this school, and how many schools will it be? But when our our mayor of New York talks about how bad these migrants are, these illegals are for the city. On the other hand, and the other side of his face, he's working to get the our the the our city our vote law passed and pushed through the courts, so that after thirty days of receiving working papers, all of these illegals would be eligible to vote in New York City elections. And don't think it can hap- can't happen. It has happened in Vermont. They're working on it in Boston, in Washington, D.C. That is in effect. And California and Maryland also will empower local municipalities to do the same thing, to allow illegals to vote, as long as they have working papers and they've been there 30 days. Excellent. I mean, yeah, that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that great? Well, where does it stand right now? You know, there was a there was a proposal a while back that passed the city council to let them vote, let them vote in New York City yeah. elections illegals. Now that was overturned by the Supreme Court. The thing you just summarized. When's that going to happen? If it's going to happen, yeah. it's it, they're pushing hard in the courts again. I've been researching it and I can't find the details. But Mayor Adams was. Um, was uh, talking to Joe Biden and the White House recently about this, that we need to allow these illegals to support themselves, to be self-sustaining. So we need to give them working papers when, in fact, he doesn't care about that. What he cares about is the votes, the voting block that this would create for the Democrats. Hey, listen to that crazy New York Congresswoman Clark. I mean, she's saying it out loud. Cut 17. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. We have a diaspora that, that can absorb 
a significant number of these migrants. And I, that, I, you know, when I hear, uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could, could clearly, uh, fit here. <laughs> How about that one, Barbara? Huh? Pretty amazing. Pretty yeah. amazing. I heard you play that, and that's what made me think of this whole thing. What she's saying is absolutely true. What is it? How many a month now? 16,000-some migrants coming into the city? How, how do they think that they are going to vote? How do the politicians think that these people are going to vote? They're going to vote for you and I who want to send them back to their country and let them come here legally? Or they're going to vote for the people who bring them in, give them everything? When I saw the families walking into the school last night on your show, I showed the, saw the footage of them walking into the school. I'm thinking, look at these kids. It's cold out. They come from across the border. They all have wonderful, warm, new-looking, heavy coats. We can't afford that for our children in this country. We can't afford that for our homeless. And yet here they are coming in with backpacks, coming in with beautiful warm winter coats. God bless them. But where are our priorities? Well, we we incentivized all of it. We said a great big red carpet. Eric Adams and the rest of them, come on in. Come on in. They wanted this to happen, and now it's happening. We... Have only begun to fight, Barbara. Thank you. Be right back. Oh, Tommy, don't go away. He's got some uh, scoop about that McDonald's hitman story. What a what a story, huh? I'll be right back with that. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, I'm back. Hello. Uh uh, where's this guy, Tommy? In uh, where are you, Putnam? You know, you know anything about this thing with the McDonald's guy? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that guy was uh, Tommy Zatola. He was. Uh, yeah, I read the whole damn the story. I, I I did it. Zatola. Did you hear what I was talking about? Zatola. We got. I filled uh, in all the blanks. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, he was. He was. Uh, he had vending machine business. They did like anything like the Joker poker machines. Uh, anything with uh, you know, you put dollars in the machine. You know, he owned all those machines. Is how I understood it. And then eventually, he ended up. Uh, Find legitimate businesses. He had, uh, you know, a lot of real estate in the city, a lot of real estate in the Bronx area. Anyway, uh, yeah, I know, it's terrible, right? Why would somebody do? Was he? What, what was wrong with this guy? The kid? Who's... I, think, I think they're all nuts. That's what happens. <laughs> they're all criminals, you know. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, it really got me here looking at those little kids, the pictures of them. Okay. Thank you, pal. Uh, Lewis, you're in Florida. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to change the subject. I'm, I, I'm not listening to the station. I just called the number, but uh, uh, that's really gonna... nice, Lewis. Thanks anyway. I want people who are kind of you know somewhat mindful of what's going on around here. No, see you later, Christine in Middletown. Hello. Hi, Greg. Well, see, the illegals are kicking the kids out of school again. So, my question, and this is what happened a few years ago: What's the mental health status of these children? Uh, I mean, I'm really concerned. We have a mental health crisis going on, Greg. But the kids, you look last week at that school shooting in Iowa with this, quote, gender fluid kid, they're really messing up uh, mental health and calling everyone trans because of it. And I'm worried about these New York school children getting kicked out of school like this. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's going to make them very compliant as well. Like the government says something, so you do it. The government just says, well, you got to move, then you move. 
Uh, it's very disruptive. And let's face it, there are going to be some kids who are like, hey, this is great. Don't have to go to real school. It's remote school. And remote school, as we all know, is a joke. It is a joke. It's not the same thing. It doesn't, it's not the same. It's, it's so less effective. And there are all kinds of other problems. And it's, the whole damn thing is disruptive to parents. My goodness gracious. What are parents supposed to do? What about their mental health? What about my mental health? Quite frankly, uh, everybody's mental health, everything. And, and by the way, can we cut people a little bit of slack when they have a mental health breakdown? You know, when they totally lose it, uh, which happens from time to time and, uh, not make them, you know, not call them Karens. Did you see that lady at the airport? She had a breakdown and everybody whips out the camera and, oh, my God, she said something that was, yeah, but she's having a mental breakdown. NBC, the fake news, tells me all the time that we need to remove the stigma of mental illness. And the moment somebody has a mental breakdown, here comes the stigma. And we don't we don't smother them with care. We smother them with cell phones and trying to capture them at that wor- at their worst. I don't like it, Christine. How's everything else? Christine, by the way, is our friend from Connecticut, happens to be transgender, uh, made the decision at, what, 50-something to become a woman after being a man? And you know what? Look, I may not have thought. That's up to you, though. And you made the decision as an adult, and you have been so uh, staunch and steadfast in saying kids should not be undergoing that kind of treatment. And we admire you for that very much, Christine. How are you overall? Did I get all that right? I'm hanging in there. I'm worried about what the medical profession is doing to these children. They're automatically rubber stamping kids with other mental health issues as trans. Look what we've seen last week in Iowa with the school shooting, what we've seen in Nashville. Uh, You know, we need honest mental health care. In the Obama regime, they took the gender identity disorder away because that's a stigma. You know, dysphoria is mental. Medical, mental health. We can't sugarcoat that. It's the truth, Greg. Hey, somebody tried to tell me the other day that, uh, okay, what did they say? They found a a woman who thought she was a man, couldn't get the therapy, right? And she died, and they actually found out that her brain had male characteristics, right? So they're doing autopsies of, uh, there's one study out in Los Angeles that said this. That people with gender dysphoria, let's say you are a biological male, right? And you come down with bona fide gender dysphoria. It's diagnosed and then you die before gender surgery. And they're finding out when they dissect the brain that the brain actually had female characteristics. Do you buy any of that? Have you ever heard any of that? I always thought I had a female mind, a female heart and female soul. Hmm. Yeah, I know, but feeling that kind of... Yeah, so wait, look, there might be a biological thing here. But right now, it's totally, totally, totally overdiagnosed, overprescribed, quite frankly, talked about way too much. And now we have people, you know, bored and impressionable. I was bored and impressionable as a kid. Thank God they weren't talking about transgenderism as much. I may have undergone the knife. Who knows? I was feeling down in the dumps. You know, hey, wait, I was lonely in high school. This is a way to get an instant community, instant recognition, instant status. I could be in, invited to the White House. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have been vulnerable to that kind of uh, message. I think a lot of kids would be and are. Christine, thank you very much. Thanks for what you're doing. Are you still giving them a hard time up there in Connecticut? 
Uh, yeah, I, I read a book uh, called Gender Queer at the Connecticut State Board of Education meeting uh, last month. They didn't appreciate it. Well, I don't appreciate that that book is being um, issued in middle school libraries. I also saw it at the airport, LaGuardia Airport, very prominently displayed on purpose because they're playing a game. Thank you all to be continued.